beautiful psalm, and we're going to look at another beautiful psalm from Scripture as well. And what I'd like to do in these, uh, throughout the rest of this month is just pick out uh, several psalms that are at least precious to me, and I'm going to try to share why, and we'll look at one today that's very special. What I want to do is just take a moment to pray with you, and uh, again, as uh, Sean and, and the elders, I uh, thank, appreciate their um, encouragement to me as I do begin a new ministry next year. Thank you for those who have already committed to pray, for those who are supporting. We do appreciate that. But what I want to do is just bring us before the throne of grace. And if you have a burden, a concern, we have a God who listens. And let's go to him in prayer. Father, you are the God who hears, the God who cares. You are indeed that mighty warrior, that good shepherd. And we come to you this day because you are holy and righteous and worthy of praise. And you have given us Jesus Christ, our Lord, that mighty warrior who went to the cross on our behalf, who rose again the third day. And Lord, we just pray that as we cast our cares upon you, we thank you that you care for us. We pray that you would give us strength for the journey ahead, for what you have for each one of us. Father, I want to pray for this church and what's ahead for Subi Church. And You know all things, and so we will not fear. We go in in faith and in unity and in love. Lord, we also want to pray your blessing upon the needs of our world. And we do pray for political leaders, for national leaders. And Lord, as we've been praying faithfully, we pray for a cessation of hostilities in Ukraine. We pray for a peaceful resolution. We pray for a lasting resolution. I pray that the Refugees would be able to return home. And Lord, we pray once again against any use of nuclear weapons in any way. Father, you are a great God. And you are a God who saves. I also want to remember our missionaries today. Thank you for those that we have sent out from this church who proclaim the saving work of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I do pray that you would bless and strengthen them, many who have overseas. We pray your grace upon them. For ourselves, we just want to hear from you, Lord. And we want to worship you in spirit and truth. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to call this comfort for the besieged. So I'll talk about besieged in just a moment, or siege warfare. But uh, I'm going to speak from Psalm 46, and I've spoken from Psalm 46 before, and, and you're getting to know that because we memorize verse 1, and we're memorizing verse 7, which is actually identical with verse 11, and so you get uh, two for one on that second verse, just so you know. Um, why is that important? That, I preached that sermon from Psalm 46 that week of 9-11, when the terrorists struck and, and people were in shock in America and just numb and people came to church, and what you want to hear is this, that God is with us. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And so sometimes it can be presented for particular issues, but 
what I'm going to talk about is a bit about siege warfare. So let me go back to ancient Jerusalem. And, and when Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, were going to seize Jerusalem, and we have an image of Jerusalem right now, more uh, modern day, but when they, they were going to seize it, they surrounded Jerusalem for not days or weeks or months, but well beyond a year, the siege took place. And what they do is uh, they're going to try to cut off any water supply, food, and basically force them into a, a surrender just by choking the, the things that they need and by prolonging that assault. It's a slow, draining, painful type of war, a war of attrition. It's siege warfare. It's not one of those battles that's over in 30 minutes or something, or it just happens in a week. It's over a prolonged period of time. The more I've studied Psalm 46 again this year, the more I realize that often the psalmist is speaking of what I think is siege warfare. In other words, it's over a prolonged period of time. It's not one big strike or one big battle, but it's over a period of time. Let me just talk, as I make this a very personal psalm to me, and I'm going to ask for many of you to, to make this a personal psalm for you. So I'm going to call this year, for me, another one of these Psalm 46 years, a Psalm 46 year it can mean to me, it could be a very dramatic event, or it could be just that, that ongoing struggle that we go through. It can be draining. Uh, many of you know I, I went early to the U.S. to have an emergency trip. I wanted to see my mother this year and was able to get over there. It was one of those weird things where you're in the Sydney, Sydney International Airport and everything shut down, and there were only one or two flights going, but I was on one of them. Took a, uh, a, a second trip to the U.S. with my wife. It was a scheduled trip. And then I took a third trip because my mother had died, and that was for her memorial service. And one of the things I mentioned to the staff is I feel like half this year I've been jet-lagged or sick because every time I go to the U.S., it's about 10 days of jet-lag. Then I come back, and it's another 10 days. So you can add that up. It's about 60 days of jet-lag already this year. And then, um, as I said, I, I've been sick this year. When I was over in the U.S. with Sherry, I got strep, and, and so that took me out for a while. Came back, Sherry's on the plane, and someone you know, graciously gave her COVID, and she gave it to me, so I've got it as well three days later. I'm over that, by the way. But then you get those probably COVID-related colds, so two long colds afterwards. So uh, three flights to America, four illnesses, and as I said, my mother dies. And it's not one thing that's happened. It's just this slow, draining thing that happens again and again. What I want to uh, notice is, um, by the way, we're, we're, I'm just going to suggest we're not over COVID yet. So this week we've had staff members who've out because of COVID from the church and ministry, and this week, my daughter, son-in-law, and two grandsons who live here in Perth, they all had COVID, and they're still recovering. So we're not over it. And, and I find it interesting. In 2020, remember, we were all freaking out about COVID. Uh, we were all freaking out. No one was getting it, but we were all freaking out about it. And our solution in Australia, you remember, was what? 
No, buy toilet paper. I mean, we just bought as much toilet paper as we could. That would, don't, don't forget, that was our remedy. We felt like that would be the, that's the key to fight it off. And so we just bought toilet paper and the shelves were empty. And that was, that was 2020. Uh, 2022, we figured out the toilet paper thing doesn't work, right? And now it seems like everybody's getting it, but nobody's freaking out about it. So that's kind of nice. So that, that, that's kind of nice. But what I want to talk about in this context where the, the psalmist says, an ever-present help in trouble, trouble, I'm going to use that idea of being besieged. So I've shared a little bit about my personal experience from Psalm 46 this year. But what I want you to hear as well is God's grace is sufficient. And, and I love the Lord. He loves me. And I have this amazing God and Savior. And his grace is sufficient. But what I want to point out is this. Psalm 46 this year became for me comfort for the besieged, for those who are going through a season, not a singular thing, but a season of things. I'm going to read from Psalm 46. If you're able, I'd ask you to stand with me as I read the text. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into this heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You may be seated. So three thoughts from this passage. First, God is my refuge and protection in troubling times. And let me make a few observations as we look at the first seven verses. But God's power over nature. Now, in the ancient world, they were much less prepared for natural disasters than we are. In other words, earthquakes, storms, floods... There's scary time all the time, but especially in that, that ancient world where they weren't able to uh, see what's going on and didn't have all the technology and weather equipment that we have to see storms coming. But for us today, let's recognize there's always things out there that you and I cannot anticipate. Terrorist, accidents, disease, we cannot always anticipate that. We just know it's out there. The Psalms, the second observation is this, God, our rock and fortress, often seem to be connected. And I, I want you to observe that because we've, we've read uh, from Psalm 31 already. But there's this sense of merger ide of ideas. They merge this idea of rock and fortress. It's not, um, it's not, they're not distant. They're not two separate things. They come together because a fortress needs to be built upon the bedrock. So remember, Jesus taught about the wise man builds his house upon the rock. 
Well, you're not going to build a fortress upon the sand. It's got to be built on the bedrock. Let me just give you a picture of uh, ancient Jerusalem. And you'll see in this image, uh, this is uh, Old Testament, ancient Jerusalem. So where you see that Jerusalem in this day, it's built on the mountains, on the bedrock of the mountains. And then there's walls that are come up from that. And that's where uh, those, uh, the strength of the foundation, the strength of the walls are built upon those rocks. Now, uh, let me also show you a modern picture of Marsaba Monastery east of uh, Bethlehem. Again, this is, there's caves there, but later they developed these thick walls, again, built upon the rocks. And so I'm going to use the word bulwark later on because um, Luther is going to use it later in um, Psalm 46. Bulwark is a defensive wall. So what you see is these are defensive walls that are there. And what the passage is telling us is that, that God is that place of security in times of trouble. Now let's go to Psalm 71, and I want you to notice uh, just from one verse, verse 3, that there's a tie-in uh, together with, uh, with the idea of rock and fortress. And he says uh, in Psalm 71, verse 3, he says, Be my rock of refuge, of which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. So he ties them together. But let me give you, again, go back to uh, Psalm 31, just two verses. And I'm going to highlight these verses that we've heard read. He says this, turn your ear to me, come quickly to my rescue. So again, a time of trouble, I need rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, since you are my rock and my fortress. For the sake of your name, lead and guide me. And so what I want to point out is that in the Psalms, often you're going to see this idea of rock and fortress. They're connected. They're just intertwined with that. And so we see those connected often, and certainly here in Psalm 46. Now, why is this important to us? Because we look at God, and he is our refuge, and he is our protection. He is our place of safety. Here's what I've become aware of, and this is pretty obvious if you think about it, but this is the fact. Christians, believers in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Christians die same rate as the rest of the world, right? In fact, here's what some studies, I've seen this, some studies found out that Christians get cancer statistically the same percentage as the general population. And I would suspect that Christians get COVID at the same rate as the general population. Well, why am I saying that? Because what we need is that rock, that foundation, that safety, that protection that he gives. And so that's who we go to. Now, let me give you a, a broad application. God is my refuge and protection in troubling times. One of the things that we can do is simply memorize the word of God. And, and we're memorizing this month and last week, month from Psalm 41. You memorize verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. You memorize verse 7, which is the same as verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And you get that into your heart and into your mind. It becomes part of your life. And we recognize we have hope even in troubling times. Here's the second thought. 
God is with us and for us. And so if you begin looking at verse 4, he says, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Let me give you the framework of thinking there. I think this, again, is looking at a besieged city. So the Lord is the provider first. So there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And so and instead of waters that roar and foam, this is a gentle stream that provides, that refreshes. In siege warfare, as I said, they cut off the food, they cut off the water supply. But what ancient cities would often do, if they could, is this, bring a water supply into the city walls. What's interesting, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, did this in ancient Israel because he feared the, that he, the Jerusalem would be put under siege, which it was later on. And so what they did was they, they covered where the source of the uh, water is, and then we have what was built was Hezekiah's tunnel. So he brought the water source into the city, and then you cover up and you disguise where the source comes from. Now what's interesting is this. We know from Scripture that Hezekiah built this tunnel. We also know from archaeology that Hezekiah built this tunnel because you can walk through that tunnel. So I'm going to give you one image of someone just walking through the tunnel. And you can actually walk through that tunnel that Hezekiah carved. Why? For siege warfare. It's a stream that makes glad the city of God. Isn't that amazing? So you think about that, and you've got an amazing thought there. So first, the Lord is the provider. And then the second image is this. The presence of God changes everything. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Now, what's important about break of day and siege warfare? Well, at nighttime, everybody comes out in the city. Nobody's afraid because that's not when the siege takes place. So there's no active part of the siege taking place at nighttime. But... When the day breaks, when the dawn breaks, that's the time of conflicts. That's the time of opposition. And what he says is this. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at daybreak. Daybreak. Now, what I want you to do is think about this. One of the things that we as Christians would think about is this. Early, early, the first day of the week. Go to Psalm, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 28, because there's a daybreak event that's very important for us. Christ is crucified. The Lord Jesus Christ is crucified. Verse, uh, chapter 28, verse 1, after the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, daybreak. The women go to the tomb, and they're expecting to anoint a dead body. The angels say, why do you look for the living among the dead? So Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb early that day at break of day. And what they found was not despair and darkness, but what they found was that God was there in resurrection power. The break of day is not defeat. It's for us that time of hope victory. 
There's a third image I want to point out, and, and you think about the nations, and it says the nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, but notice he lifts his voice and the earth melts. So the chaos among the nation just continues. It just keeps going. But all God has to do is lift his voice and the chaos melts away. That's why we keep praying. We pray to the God who simply speaks and the chaos goes. Now, verse 7 and verse 11, as I said, are identical. I'm just going to give you what the, the Hebrew text says there. So the Lord, and if you notice in the NIV, uh, all those letters are capitalized. It is the covenant name, Yahweh, for the Lord. Almighty is with us. That word uh, almighty is the word Sabaoth. And um, what that ordinarily means is it's the ordinary Hebrew word for armies. So he's the Lord of army. He leads the angelic armies. Now, we're going to talk about that word in just a moment and that phrase because it's going to come up again. But what I want you to do is recognize this. When the nations are in uproar and they're battling one another and there's chaos and so forth, he lifts his voice, the earth melts, and it's the Lord Sabaoth, Sabaoth the Lord of angel armies. He is with us. He is our fortress. One of the great things you can do, in my opinion, is this. You make the Psalms. You claim some of these as your own. One of the things that David did in Psalm 18 when he was fleeing from David, he said, and he wrote these words to a psalm, and, and this is, I'm going to read just three verses, but I want you to notice how personal he makes it when he recognizes the Lord has delivered me. He says, verse 1, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. And he knows he's going to say my a lot here. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. One of the things the followers of the living God, the followers of Jesus Christ, recognizes this. We have a God who is our refuge, our strength, our stronghold, and there is victory in and through him. One of the great things we can do is just pray these prayers with David and with the psalmist and recognize he is my God as well. And we can start it the same way he does. I love you, Lord. And it's out of praise and worship that we begin God is with us, God is for us. The final thought is this, be still and know that our God reigns. Now, beginning in verse 8, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has wrought. And then verse 10, we have this uh, amazing uh, verse where God pauses and he speaks to us and he says to us in the midst of this Season of being besieged, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so even when we sense chaos among the nations and in our world, and even during the season of COVID, disease, uncertainty, be still, he tells us. So the first thing he says is come and see what the Lord has done. 
In other words, he's asking to celebrate God's great victories in redemptive history. So for the ancient Israelites, they would think about how God led them through Moses out of Egypt, redeemed them. He would think about that great salvation. For us, we need to come and see what the Lord has done. It's not just seeing physical eyes, spiritual eyes. What has he done? One of the things that we do as a church and as followers of Jesus Christ, we celebrate the incarnation, Christmas, but we celebrate the incarnation, God with us, Emmanuel. And we celebrate the resurrection day, first day of the week, Easter. We celebrate that. We remember that. We see that because we look at what God has done in history for us. One writer says this, thus the life of worship feeds faith. When we come and see what God has done, when we celebrate the great works of God on our behalf, what he's saying is this, when we worship, truly worship, it feeds our faith. And sometimes people think, oh, you know, worship's not that big a deal. It's not that important to me. Yes, it is. Worship is what will feed your faith. Now, he says, be still in verse 10. You need to get a grip on yourself. God lives. God reigns. Christ is risen. And God is working out his purpose in history. You just need to know that. We need to pause sometimes, stop what we're doing, disengage from the chaos, and listen to God. Be still and know that I am God. How do we do that? Let me first tell, tell a story. Uh, Chuck Swindoll tells this story about himself. And it was at a time when his children were young and he was uh, getting more and more popular, having more and more speaking engagements around the world. And he flew into his home and then he was going to fly out the next day. And he says, I was in, in a hurry and I was, you know, just not, just kind of on edge because I was, had so many things going on in my life. And then he says, there's a point in which my youngest daughter came up to me and she says to me, Daddy, Daddy, I need to tell you something. I'll tell you really, really, really quick. And at that point, he says it just struck him what he was doing, that he couldn't even take the time and his daughter perceived it, even listen to her tell something to him. And so he, he realizes that, and he says to her, sweetheart, you can tell me what you want to say, and you can tell me slowly. And then she says something that's genius. She says then, well, Daddy, then you need to listen slowly. That's what I like. Listen slowly. We've got to be still. So we're so busy in the modern world, we don't have a moment to ourselves. We don't have a moment to be with God, and we wonder, why isn't God speaking to me? Why am I not hearing from God? Because we are so busy with our world around us, so distracted, so chaotic, that we haven't even taken time to allow the Lord to speak. Now, here's what I've got to say. I don't think God Almighty is going to work into your chaotic life and say, oh, I'm just going to speak and I'll speak quickly. No, you need to listen slowly. Listen slowly and allow the Lord to affirm his presence, his glory, that he reigns. And if you notice verse 10, you have this amazing statement. God says, when you're listening to me, you know I will be exalted among the nations 
I will be exalted in the earth. How big are your burdens and problems compared to all the things that God is over? Now, some of you here may be having a, what I'm calling a Psalm 46 year. But it's comfort for the besieged. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. One of the great hymns of our faith was written by Martin Luther. And many of you know, called a mighty fortress is our God. What's interesting, when Luther wrote this, so around 1520, he, he writes this, and he shows us, even in that great hymn of our faith, how Jesus fulfills Psalm 46. So it's kind of interesting. What I'm going to do is um, I'm going to go through the verses here. There's just, I'm just going to go through four. There's a bunch that have been written, but we'll just do four. And these are pretty much the traditional ones. And just kind of explain what's going on as Luther has this devotional time in Psalm 46. He says, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. You know what a bulwark is. It's a defensive wall, never failing. His defense never fails for me, for you. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. So there's a flood of mortal ills, times, circumstances, a great variety, but he's always our helper. For still our ancient foe, we know Satan, we know the devil, doth seek to work as woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Here's where we need to recognize we need God as our refuge and strength. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same, and he must or he will win the battle. And so he calls Jesus that, that Lord of angel armies, and he brings him right into Psalm 46, verse 3. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. It's interesting, people who write commentaries on this great hymn, they, they debate, you know, what is this one little word? So is it Jesus, that uh, word incarnate? Is it a word from God that he speaks into the situation, or is it the word of God, Scripture itself? No matter what it is, the point he's making is this, Satan is going to be crushed by God's word. That's what he tells us. Verse 4, that word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. So here's our application. You're going to cling to this world when you know a mighty fortress is our God? No, let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. The body, they may kill. And, and we all know, or most of us know, that Luther certainly had threats upon his life. The body, they may kill. And that was a reality to him. God's truth abideth still. 
And here's the statement of victory. His kingdom is forever. It is an amazing hymn of our faith. And as I said, when we worship God and sing it in worship, it feeds our faith. I'm going to close with a quote from John Golden Gay. And what's interesting is a little commentary on Psalm 46. He, he refers back to uh, Luther's great hymn. He says, It would be difficult to leave Psalm 46 without a reference to Martin Luther's Ein Festabur. His hymn, based loosely on Psalm 46, but expressive of his own faith and experience, to which also he is calling the reforming church of the 1520s. It is said that John Wesley, too, used the words of this psalm's refrain as his comfort when he faced his death. So John Wesley, Wesley the Methodist, now we've got the Methodists and the Lutherans, both agreeing this is an amazing psalm. And he's focusing on that verse we're memorizing. What the psalm meant to these individuals reminds us that its declaration of faith speaks not only when creation or history seem to be in turmoil, but when our personal world seems to collapse. What shall I do if I'm made redundant? What if my marriage breaks up? What shall I do when my mother dies? What if my husband has to give up work? I might fail my exams. How can I protect my daughter from the moral pressures of the age? What if my son gets in with a bad lot of friends? How then can we, followers of Jesus Christ, say we are not afraid? And here's his answer. Listen, because it is still true. Yahweh, Sabaoth, is still with us. The God of Jacob is our high tower. So our memory verse is this. What's still true? The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So whether it's an event or whether it's a season where you just go through a long, prolonged time, draining, exhausting, however it may be, Psalm 46 is there for you. What we need to do is make it one of those psalms of our lives. If you need it today, praise God, it's there. If you need it next week or next year, praise God, it's there. But cling to it, memorize it. Meditate on it and worship God and allow your faith to grow and be fed. Pray with me. Father, I just want to pray for any who are here. and Some of the things that I've read, quoted, cited are true in their lives. For me, when my Mother dies. For others, we're praying for daughters, for sons, for grandchildren. For others, it's job, relationships, studies. Through all this, we recognize a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, a defensive walls that never fail. And so, Lord, we have this blessing. We can put our hope in you right now. And I pray right now in our hearts 
we would find strength in you, my rock, my redeemer, my mighty fortress. In Christ's name, amen.